it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, this is actually Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy. He's off with his son, Lincoln. They're going to the Pittsburgh Steelers-Cincinnati Bengals game tomorrow. That's going to be a good one. I'm glad he's taking a little bit of time off. I hope you get a a nice, relaxing uh, uh, holiday, uh, whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever it might be, uh, the New Year's. But I hope you're just enjoying life and you get the best out of life. There's several stories that are going on. I'm thrilled to be hosting for Jimmy today because, boy, there's a lot going on. And let me follow some of the headlines that we're looking into, uh, starting with this big headline coming out of the Babylon Bee. Wife settles into hot bubble bath to relax with a glass of wine and a podcast about a horrific serial killer. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? The serial killer uh podcasts are just on fire in terms of listening emily campagno at fox has got a great one out there but isn't that true just settle in a little glass of wine in a bubble bath listening about a serial killer just uh cracks me up but the other big one that we're following is out of florida and any headline that starts with florida man is worthy of a read and this one coming out of foxnews.com says Florida man goes fishing in pro Bass Pro Shops pond, flees with live 50-pound tarpon. So he goes into a Bass Pro Shop. If you've been to one of those or a Cabela's, you know what I mean. They got a they got a nice good pond, a lot of live fish. This guy, this <laughs> the allegation is from the Lee County Sheriff's Office is that this guy walks in with a hat and he's got a big fishing net. And he just scoops up a 50-pound tarpon. Pulls it up out of the water and walks right out of the store. And uh, unlike maybe other states, the police are actually looking for this suspect for him stealing this fish. Uh, oh, my goodness. And then, of course, we have things that, you know, involve uh, maybe Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the testimony, the allegations. And so I'm thrilled to talk about all three of those, really, if he wants to. But really about the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden uh, situation. Thrilled to have uh, our very own Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst and author. He's got books. He's The guy's a good, prolific writer. He's got the Constitution of the United States and other patriotic do- uh, documents, Witch Hunt, the Russia hoax, and uh, one of the other newer ones is Trial of the Century, which is a really good read. And if you're looking for that last minute, Holiday uh, Christmas gift, uh, Greg Jarrett. You're going to enjoy his writing. So, Greg, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Hey, Jason. Happy holidays to you and everybody else. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I, I love it because uh, you're uh, uh, you, you really dive deep into this stuff. And I want to talk a little bit about what's going on here because we recently had – and, look, I've conducted these. I used to be the oversight chairman uh, back in – my day in Congress, and I've been through, I don't know, countless numbers of transcribed interviews and depositions and these types of things. But, you know, Lisa, uh, Leslie Wolf showed up uh, to testify, and according to Jim Jordan, who walked out afterwards, said, yeah, she ignored most of our questions, said she couldn't talk about them. But explain a little bit about who she is, why she's important, and maybe why she's being so elusive. 
Well, she's really the pinnacle of the protection racket for Joe and Hunter Biden. She was the assistant U.S. attorney under David Weiss, and she's the one who was uh, rejecting uh, legally valid search warrants for Hunter Biden on his father's property where Hunter was living. Uh, she, you know, acknowledged that there is more than enough probable cause for the search warrant, but she said, oh, gee, you know, the optics are bad, so let's not do it. Um, when they planned a surprise interview of Hunter Biden, she tipped off his lawyers about it. Uh, she also tipped off the lawyers about the planned search warrant. She's the one who prohibited uh, the IRS investigators according to the whistleblowers, from asking questions about Joe Biden's involvement in his son's influence peddling schemes. And, you know, Jason, there is compelling evidence now that Biden actively aided and abetted these schemes operated by his son that netted tens of millions of dollars from foreign interests while selling access and promises of influence when the elder Biden was vice president, you've got uncovered documents, testimony from witnesses. They all implicate Joe as a complicit actor in his son's scams and grifts that jeopardized national security and compromised America's interests. This is exactly what our framers feared when they crafted the impeachment clause uh, in the Constitution. You know, I almost giggle. I certainly do smile whenever I hear these Democrats with a straight face come out and say, there's zero evidence. There's no evidence that Joe Biden was ever involved and engaged in. Uh, what's your reaction? I got a reaction to that. But what's your reaction to that when they say that? Well, they don't understand what evidence is. I mean, evidence is testimonial and documentary. It's circumstantial and direct. And, you know, for the mainstream media and Democrats to deny that volumes of incriminating evidence exist is nothing more than willful blindness or, in the alternative, uh, blatant lies. You know, whether or not evidence eventually rises to the level of criminality, that's a question of proof. But the evidence is there. I mean, you know, Joe Biden uh, met with his son's overseas partners. That's documented. Spoke by phone with Hunter's clients more than 20 times. That, according to the testimony, he even attended closely guarded meetings. They rode together aboard Air Force Two to overseas destinations, meeting privately with moneyed sources. In one highly lucrative Chinese deal, Joe was slated to receive a handsome 10% cut for the big guy. So, you know, for, for people to say, oh, there's no evidence of Joe Biden's involvement, I got, you know, those people are smoking something. Yeah, well, you look at uh, you look at how their their response has morphed over the course of time, right? I mean, it's Joe Biden who started out by saying, "Never ever had a conversation with anybody about anything," and now it's morphed into, "Well, I wasn't financially involved." Um, yeah, but you know what? When and you've done a good job of explaining this on Hannity, and I want you to help explain it again here. But 
a payment can be directly to you. And there are checks that James Comer has come up with that have Joe Biden's name on it. But there are also uh, direct benefits to your family. And when your family doesn't sell anything but influence and access to the vice president and they get millions of dollars in benefit, uh, that could be considered something pretty nefarious. Oh, sure. Whenever a public official, Jason, is involved in any kind of quid pro quo scheme, it's called profiteering and self-enrichment. Even if the payout did not go directly to Joe Biden, it's still a crime. Look it up. 18 U.S.C. 201. If the money goes to another person or entity other than the office holder, it's still the crime of bribery. And that has been upheld uh, by controlling cases uh, that have applied the statute I just recited in past prosecutions of office holders who slightly diverted the cash elsewhere. That's why they created the statute the way they did, because they knew that people would divert the money to family members and people have gone to prison for exactly that. Um, And also under well-established impeachment standard, it's called something else. It's called uh, misuse of public office for financial gain. This is precisely what our founders uh, wanted to prevent. You know, it's uh, when $100,000 shows up in your grandkids' account um, because they wanted access to the Department of Justice and you're the vice president and and they wanted to say thank you for their business and $100,000 goes into the grandkids' account. Um, Absolutely unbelievable. Now, I'm not saying that these two are any way connected, but... It is interesting what is happening out in Chicago. And I don't know if you followed this, Greg, but this is the headline out of the New York Post. One of Chicago's longest serving Democratic lawmakers convicted of racketeering, bribery and attempted extortion. And I'll read a little bit from it. Former Chicago alderman Ed Burke, one of the most powerful, longest serving politicians in the Windy City, found guilty Thursday of racketeering bribery and attempted extortion of a six week long federal corruption trial. 79 year old Democrat was convicted on 13 of 14 charges leveled against him in a 2019 federal indictment. And it goes on and talks about the shakedown scheme targeting the developer working on a $600 million renovation of Chicago's old post office. And it's just, you know what? Uh, People in power get caught doing these things. They should be prosecuted. I'm glad they did this. Um, And he's been now convicted of 13 or 14 charges. But I, you know, why the Democrats, you know, because he's in a position of power, just turn their heads on Joe Biden. uh, Unbelievable to me. Yeah, the good news is that Americans um, see this for what it is. Uh, The polling data shows roughly 70 percent of voters believe that Joe Biden acted either illegally or unethically. I mean, I'd like to meet the 30 percent who say he didn't. Uh, Jeez. You know, the evidence is is pretty compelling. Um, and this makes an already unpopular Joe Biden a gravely tainted candidate for the Democrats. And, you know, I 
have a column out, and I said, look, don't be surprised if prominent party members and wealthy donors quietly begin this private campaign of lobbying Joe's family to convince him that his reelection bid is doomed. Uh, the truth is, you know, they'll cite his descending poll numbers. I mean, they're awful on every single yeah, policy yeah. issue. But you add in uh, the corruption, and that just compounds the mess that Joe has created for himself. Well, last thing before I let you go, uh, Greg, uh, we're talking with Greg Jarrett here, um, <clears throat> is about this uh, Hunter Biden stunt that he pulled outside the Senate side. You know, he's given a duly issued subpoena. I used to be able to sign these subpoenas. And you know what? They're not optional. you got to show up. You can plead the fifth. That's your constitutional right. But to show up and do a press conference, I mean, he's just, I think they set that back. I think it was a very bad look, Um, you know, facilitated by Eric Swalwell, not one of the most, um, well, we'll just leave it at that. And uh, you know what? He, uh He's going to have to be held in contempt. You just can't ignore and thumb your nose and not show up. And, and, and even in his comments, he said, Greg, I'm here. No, he's not. He was supposed to be in the hearing room, not out on the streets right. you know, doing a press conference. Yeah, I can't overstate how idiotic that press conference was. And there at his side are three lawyers who were encouraging him, apparently. Abby Lowell, Kevin Morris, his you know, sugar brother. And Eric Swalwell, who's a member of Congress, who uh, is endorsing a crime. You know, if if they advised him to do this, I mean, they're the, the those three are the Mo, Larry, and Curly of the legal profession. You know, witnesses don't get to dictate terms when they're slapped with a subpoena. Failure to comply is a crime. So, you know, Hunter Biden foolishly made the case against himself and all but invited a contempt citation, which the Department of Justice will inexorably have to prosecute uh, because they did it against people in Donald Trump's orbit. Yeah, when I was chairman, we had a Brian Pagliano who never showed up, duly issued subpoena, served by U.S. Marshals. We referred it. They didn't prosecute it. But then, voila, all of a sudden, it shows up, and it's you know Steve Bannon or somebody in Trump's world, and they're prosecuting him. They they're forced in a position, I think, now that inevitably they're going to have to prosecute him. Uh, Greg Jarrett, thank you so much for joining us. I uh, got a great new book out. Just type in wherever you go buy books. Just type in Greg Jarrett. He's got like a whole slew of them, and they're all good reads. Uh, Trial of the Century is really good. The one about the Constitution that's out now. I think you'll really enjoy it. Uh, Greg. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for joining us on Fox Across America. Same to you, Jason. Thanks for having me on. Hang tight. We'll be right back. He's the most talented man on the radio, but he needs your help. We all know somewhere underneath all of that bright color, there's a man who's not right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Christmas music. This is intended to bring your blood pressure down because we're going to raise it really quickly here. 
But you just take the soothing Nat King Cole, I think that's what it was, uh, singing that, one of the favorites. Brings back a lot of childhood memories for me. I, I just love it. Hope you enjoyed as well. Um, I want to highlight uh, Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul's annual Festivus report. Now, he's done this for nine years. It was highlighted on foxnews.com. And and, and keep in mind, folks, our national debt has gone from roughly $30 trillion in 2022 to about $34 trillion in 2023. And on a trajectory to continue to excel. We spend more than a billion dollars a day just in interest on our national debt, servicing that debt. And what Senator Paul exposes uh, is about $900 billion in just waste and squander. It's just, he puts it in this Festivus report. It's got a funny cover to it. You got to see it. Uh, But let me read one of the paragraphs here from foxnews.com. Among notable instances, the National Institutes of Health, oh, there they are again in the news doing good things with our taxpayer money, allocated funds to study Russian cats on treadmills. Photos of Barbies were utilized as identification to obtain COVID relief funds. The Department of Defense lost $169 million of outdoor stored military gear. They just lost it. Six million dollars went towards, get this, tourism in Egypt by the United States Agency for International Development. Six million dollars we're spending as our taxpayer dollars to boost tourism in Egypt. And the Small Business Administration provided over 200 million dollars to, quote, struggling music artists that included Post Malone, Chris Brown, and Lil Wayne. Now, anybody who follows any of this stuff knows these are some of the most successful artists out there ever. Not saying the three got $200 million, but the allegation, at least according to Rand Paul, is they got money like this to have helped their struggling artistic efforts. It's absolutely nuts, folks. The amount of waste, fraud, and abuse. And it's really hard to go back to the taxpayers and pass off an authorization bill when you have so much waste, fraud, and abuse. We have to actually rein this in. I really think one of the biggest failings over the last 20, 30 years is the ability to use the power of the purse. Never happens in Congress. I served in Congress for more than eight years. Guess what? That appropriations process, totally, completely, fully broken. So sorry to bring your blood pressure back up. But remember, it's the holiday season. Deep breaths. We got a lot more to go in the show, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Stay with us. It's America's life coach. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I just think the Democrats wake up every morning, Emily, and they look at the calendar. The iPhone says January 6, 2021. The date never changes. And then they get an electric vehicle and go get an abortion. I just described the Democratic Party (laughs) to you in seven seconds. Oh, my. Kellyanne Conway Conway talking about uh, her her take on the Democrats of today. Uh, Oh, my. Uh, hey, listen, we're, we're thrilled to have on Madison Jesse Otto Gilbert. She's the RNC national spokesperson, former Republican congressional candidate in Ohio. Madison, thanks so much for joining us on Fox Across America. Jason, Merry Christmas. Good to be with you. 
Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, Madison, we got a lot going on in the world right now. I mean, we were just okay. talking off air with some of the, the producers here on this uh, on the Fox Across America about all the things that are going to happen right after the new year, right? We got to fund the government. You got to hold Hunter Biden in contempt to, for non-compliance with the duly issued subpoena. You have uh, the Colorado situation. The Supreme Court's got to have to weigh in. You got the uh, the uh, Iowa caucus coming up on January 15th. I mean, and that's, we didn't even talk about the wars that are going on and all the other things that are happening in the world. Um, but I just really, really, I just cannot understand, Madison, how the Democrats think that they're going to save democracy by making sure their political opponents aren't on the ballot. You know, we're really hot on this topic right now, as you know. I'm not surprised. We just recently dealt with very similar situations in two other states. We were victorious before it ever uh, got to the point that it did in Colorado. So in Minnesota, Michigan, we were successful. I anticipate, and I'm sure you would agree with me, as actually many Democrats do as well, that the Supreme Court will overturn what they did uh, very swiftly because it was a complete misuse of the 14th Amendment, complete election interference. Uh, we've set aside money at the RNC to make sure we support President Trump and his efforts on this. They're obviously filing an appeal to the Supreme Court, so we'll be backing them. We'll be filing an amicus brief, doing whatever it takes. Uh, but super disappointing to see this happening. I wouldn't want to see this happening to a Republican or a Democrat. It's just simply wrong. It's unconstitutional. And we can't continue to see things like this. And we need more people on both sides of the aisle to be speaking up. You know, what's actually stunning is Democrats actually do this on Democrats, too. I mean, I believe the puppeteers, and I wrote a book called The Puppeteers. Uh, it's a good one, and you should get it. Uh, but the, these puppeteers around Joe Biden, they don't want any challenge to his authority and his power. I mean, what the Democrats are doing in Florida, for instance, they're not allowing they're, – they're saying that it's an uncontested race. Uh, in Florida on the Democratic side of the aisle. So they're not going to have their normal process. And, you know, if you're RFK Jr. or Dean Phillips, uh, I think they would have begged to differ that, you know, maybe we should actually have a vote in Florida. But they took them off the ballot, and they're just going to give all their delegates to, to Joe Biden. And that's why, honestly, I'm very proud of the Republican Party. Uh, you know, you look at what we've done. There was a lot of criticism thrown at the party for having a primary process, despite President Trump being so popular. But at the end of the day, the role of the party should be to make sure that every vote, every yeah. voter's voice can be heard and have that fair and transparent process put forward. Uh, we obviously did some debates, and now we're getting ready to go into that primary season. We're done with uh, any sponsored debates by the national party. However, uh, you know, the voters' voices will be heard. And then we're in the process right now of making sure that we're building that infrastructure. We're, you know, putting all the money where it needs to be ahead of uh, time to make sure that whoever comes out victorious has that road ready to help get them across the finish line in November. And, of course, we in continue to encourage unity among the party in Washington, among our voters across the country. That's what people want to see, and they recognize that we need to see more unity so that we'll win in November, not just the presidential, but to get back to Senate, to expand that House majority. The problem I think Republicans have had for many years now, and you've seen it, you've experienced it, is perfection has become the enemy of good. And so many Republicans refuse to work with each other or they 
slice each other down because they don't agree on 100% of things. And I'll tell you right now, this is an open doors party. If you agree with us on 20% of things, if you agree with us just on the economy, we want you as a Republican. We want you with us. Let's work on those things we can agree on, and let's come together and build a stronger coalition than ever before. Yeah, that's uh, the sort of the, the Ronald Reagan approach to, uh, you know, if you're if you agree with me on, you know, pick your percentage. He said 80 percent. And you're my friend. Of course, I'm going to join arms with you. But but you're right, that's because right. the choice is the Democrats. Right. The Democrats have really lost it. I thought Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, really missed an opportunity. He could have come out and looked at that Colorado situation and said, you know, we're going to beat uh, Donald Trump or whoever the nominee is, you know, and t- t- took it as a, an opportunity to to show the absurdity of not allowing people on the on the ballot. Because, again, Democrats have long preached, you know, uh, diversity and they've long preached that they were going to be the ones to save democracy, because if Donald Trump's in there, he would get rid of his political opponents. You know, the very thing that they're doing right now. And it's. It's expanding. There's more people, more states that are trying to do this. Listen to Jonathan Turley here on Cut One on his take. He was on with uh, Laura Ingram. There is nothing new to this, right? You have Democrats who are now literally running for office on the pledge of censorship. I mean, think about that, right? You have people running for office pledging to citizens that they will reduce their constitutional rights. That's what we have reached as, as a country. Now, in the end, I think there's enough of us in this country uh, to hold the line, to say that that's not what defines us. What defines us are these common rights, these values. And that means that we often defend others that we disagree with. We don't censor them. We don't arrest them. And I would add, you certainly don't keep them off the ballot, for goodness sake. The power is in the people. The, The government works for the people, not the other way around, Madison. That's right, and that's why so many people are so disen- feel so disenfranchised by the government. We saw that in 2016. Part of President Trump's victory was that forgotten man and woman in our country that came forward who had never voted before or who had voted maybe Democrat for a very long time and simply felt like they had been forgotten by their elected representatives, uh, especially in a lot of these Democratic-run cities, and we're seeing that with the crime and everything else going on now. Uh, but you're absolutely right. It's just one thing we can add to a very long list. And you look back, I mean, I'd say about 10 years when this is something that I and others really started talking about, the slippery slope of what's to come. And we're now seeing that come to fruition. We're seeing the very real reality of that. And it should scare everybody, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. Yeah, I do think that this issue is going to be largely about uh, safety. I think it's uh, safety on the streets, safety on our border, safety overseas, and certainly safety in your wallet. Um, and your 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 the way you feel, they can throw stats and numbers. Both Republicans and Democrats can do this. But if you don't feel safe, you're going to want to change. And you should make a change. Why wouldn't you make a change? So um, anyway, I, I don't know what your take is on that, but I think that's going to be the crux of how people will ultimately vote. 
You nailed it, 100%. You can twist anything to make it sound good with some number or poll or statistic. And there are a lot of statistics that obviously I think are relevant here when it comes especially to the economy. But the reality is you don't need to look at the statistics. Talk to anybody. Go across the country. I'm in Ohio. I'm from Ohio. I'm here every day talking to people. I'm at the grocery store myself. I know the prices have gone up. I know gas is more expensive. I talk to people all the time that are struggling, that can't even buy any Christmas gifts this year as a result of the economy and their financial struggles. It didn't have to be this way, and people recognize that. They're feeling the pain, whether it's economically. A lot of them in many cities feeling the pain, obviously, when we look at those crime numbers, and obviously feeling helpless to be able to keep their own families safe. Uh, it's a horrible position to put families in. It's a horrible position to put Americans in, and they deserve better. Every single American across this country deserves better than what the Biden administration has. Yeah, and this is this is the challenge, too. provided. And Republicans will be able to give that prosperous American future, or at least take those steps forward towards it. It will take time to reverse a lot of this, but it is the best hope for the country. And that's why I encourage everybody to vote Republican. That's why I think, again, going back to the situation in Colorado, what a debacle it is and what a missed opportunity by Democrats to, I, I think they inadvertently have allowed the Republicans, House, Senate, President, the whole gambit of them, have positioned themselves as the adults in the room who are going to say we're standing for principle. I think that is going to be for the true independents, the people who aren't affiliated with one party or the other, they're going to sway one direction or another. And I think the craziness that has become the Democratic uh, Party of today, I think that I think that's just another uh, indicator that the today's Democratic Party is off the rails. I think you're right, but I think part of that success and how we get that message to them is making sure that our candidates and as a party, that we're not just targeting the voters where we hope they are, but where they actually are. We look at that youth vote, for example, uh, that we need to do better with. You know, where are we targeting these young people? They're not getting their news uh, on cable news like the past generations. A lot of these youngest people, like my younger sister, they're all on social media. So we need to make sure that we're in the same place as they are and we're getting not only the right messaging to them, but we're reaching them and actually reaching them. So that's going to be huge for us in 20. And then, of course, early voting. We're pushing and pushing, pushing for early voting. We want people voting early. We want them voting absentee. I know there's a stigma in the Republican Party about it. I get it because I don't like early voting myself. But until the laws change, we have to play the same game as the Democrats. It'll save the party a lot of money targeting someone early that uh, is a solid Republican that votes on day one. Maybe we spend $5. If we have to chase that Republican up until Election Day, we're spending 30 that other 20 or 30 plus, that other 25 plus dollars could be going to targeting those independents you mentioned that I think can swing our way in 24 that maybe didn't in 22, especially with the issue of abortion being on the ballot. I think we can win a lot of votes we didn't win previously, but it's going to take the resources and we're going to have to have those resources. So I encourage all Republicans across the country, vote early, visit bankyourvote.com to commit to voting early. Yeah, I think you have to play by the rules that are out there. I don't necessarily like them. I would uh, encourage them to be changed. But to just throw up your hands and say, I'm not going to participate in that, plays into the hands um, uh, uh, of the opposition. And so, you know, we want everybody to vote, uh, both sides of the aisle. Go ahead, get out and vote. But you know what? You got to play by the rules that are out there, and that's what you need to do. Uh, Madison, Jesse Otto Gilbert joining us out on the road. We appreciate you joining us on Fox Across America. Have a wonderful Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and everything else. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Great to be with you, Jason. Thank you. We'll be right back. Stay with us.
A show so good, it moves the stock market. The Dow racing up on Jimmy's remarks. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, Merry Christmas to everybody. Hope you're having a, a great holiday season. And you know what? I thought I would highlight something here that I'm kind of, uh, you know, I don't know the man. I've seen him from afar, but from afar. But Jerome Bettis, uh, remember the Pittsburgh Steeler? He's inevitably, you know, Hall of Famer. Um, anyway, he went back to school. He went, he just graduated from the University of Notre Dame. And uh, this happened a little while ago. But you know what? Good for him. He promised his mom that he would go back to school and get his degree. And even though he's made, I don't know, a lot of money, he's one of the best uh, running backs there's been in the NFL, and uh, he made a promise to his mom, and he fulfilled it. And uh, it's really neat to see that he actually did that. Good for him. Jerome Bettis setting the standard, doing the right thing. Really proud of him for what he's doing. Uh, you know what? Uh I'm still bothered by what's going on in uh, in uh, with this Colorado ruling. Uh, I want you to listen to Ron DeSantis, Governor of Florida, obviously, presidential candidate. This is cut 10 on his take. Look, if somebody's convicted or something of, of some of these things, there was no trial on any of this. They basically just said, what, you can't be on the ballot? I mean, how does that work? What's the limiting principle for that? Uh, why could, could we just say that Biden can't be on the ballot because he let in 8 million illegals uh, into the country and violated the Constitution, which he has? Uh, could we just say, oh, well, they have uh, money coming to Hunter or whatever? So, so I think the U.S. Supreme Court is going to reverse that. But, but here's the larger thing of what the left and the media and the Democrats are doing. They're doing all this stuff to basically solidify support in the primary. And uh, the governor went on and expanded from there. But Governor DeSantis uh, is right. What's so stunning to me is that Donald Trump was never charged or convicted of this crime. And now they're going to say he committed it because it's so obvious. And for Joe Biden to go up to the microphone and say, well, it's so obvious. Of course he was an insurrectionist. I mean, you, you, would you say that about anything else? Of course he was a murderer. You know, well, of course he, uh, you know, uh, did name whatever crime you want. You can't just make this stuff up. But that's what the Democrats are doing. And now it's spreading like wildfire. All these Democrats think they can just file all these suits and make sure that he never gets to the ballot. If, never mind the people. Never mind the people who go out and vote. So you really want to know what the Democrats are trying to do out there, trying to exclude somebody from the ballot for something they were never charged with, let alone convicted. And then they're trying to tell you, you can't elect Donald Trump because he'll destroy democracy. That is destroying democracy. Democracy. Now, we're a constitutional republic. I understand the difference, okay? But you cannot do this in America. This is tear this country apart. Now, fortunately, we have some duly elected leaders who are driven by principle and can lead the way for us. I want you to listen very closely to Kamala Harris, the vice president of the United States on MSNBC, talking about the importance of this election. Cut 17. You know, every election cycle, we talk about this is the most election of our lifetime. Lawrence, this one is. This one is, we are literally talking about people who are attempting to divide our country in the most 
crude, frankly, and profound way. Really? You know, every election cycle we talk about this, this is the most election of our lifetime. The beginning of the word salad from the vice president herself, um, boy, she just puts it in summary, doesn't it? Um, This is the one we are literally talking about. Literally. She keeps using that literally. Reminds me of Parks and Recreation. Remember that that, uh, uh, character there on Parks and Recreation? Uh, It was... um, Oh, gosh, he was uh, Rob Lowe plays the character. He always talks about literally, literally. But Kamala Harris, really? That's the way you're going to say people are attempting to divide our country in the most crude, frankly, and profound way. Maybe a look in the mirror might be appropriate at this time and place because talk about trying to destroy democracy and destroy our very way of life with the justification that, Oh, you know, we have to do this. We just have to do this because there's no way we could possibly allow Donald Trump to actually prevail and be the president of the United States yet again. That's the absurdity of where the Democrats are coming from. And I got to tell you, she hits the nail on the head in many ways because there are people that are trying to divide us. And, you know, The promise of Joe Biden was he was going to unite the country. He was going to bring together the red and the blue. And exactly the opposite has happened. Exactly the opposite has happened. Divided people based on who they are, not by their talents, but by the skin color, saying he would only appoint somebody if they were of this certain persuasion. That's not what Martin Luther King talked about. That's not the essence of the United States of America. That's the opposite of a meritocracy, where your skills, your talents, that's what's supposed to propel you forward. But they've kind of missed that, and they've divided this country unlike anything we've ever seen. It is getting worse, not better. And I hope America, who always figures these things out, I hope she gets it right and we get back in order. I'm Jason Chaffetz. Stay with us. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. With Jimmy Fallon, but he's not here today. This is Jason Javits. I'm filling in for Jimmy. Uh, Honored to do so. Good friends with Jimmy. I'm glad he's off with his son going to an NFL game. Good for him. He's going to see the Pittsburgh Steelers play play the Cincinnati Bengals. Pretty important uh, with all the playoffs and everything going on, but... Good, good go. Good of him to be a good dad. Go take his son out there and do that. And uh, I think he's also hosting on Saturday night. He's hosting a show on Fox. So you should be uh, watching that as well if you get a chance to do that. Uh, The game's in the afternoon. And then the show at night, uh, Fox Saturday night, something like that. I can't remember what it's called. But he'll be hosting that if you want to see Jimmy. It always does good, fun stuff on a, on a Saturday night of, uh, you know, Christmas weekend. This is going to be fun. It's hard to believe that we're that far along in the year that this is where we're at. But uh, uh, we got a lot of things that we're keeping our eye on. A lot of news happening for this time of year. Not all that good. So we're going to jump right into uh, what's going on with the border and we got Tom Homan who's going to join us in a moment. If you remember, Tom is the former acting ICE director, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation, and a Fox News contributor. But to set this all up, let's go listen to the authority on this topic, Corrine Jean-Pierre, at the White House spokesperson 
talking about what the President Biden, if he has done everything he can on his own to secure the border. Here's her take on it. Cut 24. I mean, look, we asked for more Border Patrol, right? And he was able to get 24,000 more Border Patrol folks, uh, law enforcement folks at the border. That's unprecedented. We asked for more. And we got uh, Republicans uh, in Congress who, especially in the House, who want to cut that. They actually want to do the opposite of what the president is trying to do. And so, look, the president has done everything that he can, right, uh, on on his own. Hi, Tom Homan, the former acting ICE director. Has the president, Biden, done everything he can do to secure the border? Absolutely not. Look, he inherited the most secure border in our lifetime. And and the White House spokesman just the spokesperson just played it, it. She's wrong. She's not even close to being right. What what the Biden administration is asking for more money, and and it's not to do an enforcement work. It's to have more people down there to process quicker and release quicker. Not a single dollar is going to go toward enforcement efforts, and that's what we need right now. Look, this isn't a money issue. People need to understand that. This is a policy issue. They got the same number of agents we had on the Trump administration. We had illegal immigration to a 45-year low. Not a money issue. Not a manpower issue. It's a policy issue. If they simply change the policy back to what the Trump administration was doing, they could secure this border. That's right. I mean, all they have to do is actually enforce the current law. And word it get out real quickly. And uh, what they did on day one, the Biden-Harris administration was to not continue to build the wall, even though the materials had been, you know, secured and were there and just needed to be erected and put up. Um, the Remain in Mexico policy and, you know what, catch and release. Those people are just coming into the country and they're just releasing them. Yeah, the, the catch and release, is, that, that's an important one because, you know, even though the law says, as you said, if they just enforce the law, the law says an arriving alien. Uh, that doesn't have proper documentation, the statute reads, shall be detained. Now, I mean, I might not be the smartest person in the world, but shall means you're going to do it. And they're simply not doing it. Trump administration, we ended that. We we did detain them or we sent them back. And the Remain in Mexico program was a game changer for the Trump administration. People stopped coming. People stopped selling, people stopped selling everything they had to pay the cartels to be sexually assaulted or, or, or die on the trip, or even if made in the United States, Nine out of ten don't qualify for asylum. They get removed. So what Remain in Mexico program did, once people realized they weren't going to be caught and released into the United States to, to hide out for the next amnesty program, they stopped coming, which means less people died, which means the cartels made less money, which means the Border Patrol was on the line vigilant 100% because they weren't changing diapers and making baby formula and all other stuff. The scariest thing right now, I thought the Border Patrol agents just last night, on the northern border, northern border agents are sitting at a desk and, and virtually processing illegal aliens from the southern border. They never lay eyes on them. They don't get to go through their pockets with pocket trash and intelligence information to try to build a criminal case. They have no documentation. So they're taking whatever, whatever that alien says, who they are and where they're from, that's what they're doing. And that is a huge national security issue. We don't know who these people are. Do you have any sense of what they are when they are processed? You know, we've heard that Border Patrol agents are just processing them as fast as they can. What information do we get from them when they're actually processed? Great question. But right now, 
most of them will, will throw their identification away before they cross the border. I was down there just a month ago, and I literally saw thousands of passports from all over the world on the riverbank, floating in the river. Yeah, so you got like they're going to be they're going to take their biometrics and take their fingerprints, but unless they've been arrested by a U.S. government agency before, whether it's ICE, CBP, or, or a police agency, uh, most of these people from these third world nations, there are no records. Even, so even when they say the, the United States says we're going to vet them, they they only can vet them against information that's available to them. Now you got almost thirty thousand Chinese males of, of military age. Do you think China is going to tell the United States who's a national security threat? Of course you're not. So even when you vet them, we vet them through NCIC and III, and, and we vet them through DOD databases, but nothing's going to be in there unless, one, they're involved in a criminal investigation or a Title III wiretap, or two, unless they're encountered on a battlefield by a soldier and recorded, there is going to be no information. So the agents I talked to last night up in Detroit said they basically are at a computer, the guy's on the phone, and they're taking whatever information available to them. No one's going through the pocket trash. When I was an agent, and agents even on the Trump administration, they just don't process. They ask questions. They do an investigation. They look at what they have in their pockets, try to build a criminal case. Who's, who are they paying? Why are they coming? Where are they going? None of this is being done. They've been told to process as quick as possible. matter of fact, they were threatened, the northern border agents, if they don't process quick enough, They'll send them down, down the Mexican border process. So it's, it's all about processing quickly and releasing quickly because the only thing this administration cares about is the optics. So I got news for them. The optics are bad, even though they're record processing. Yeah, there's a reason why um, Kamala Harris and President Biden uh, will not meet or talk with Border Patrol agents, nor will they go there and actually visit. It's been a couple of years now. Uh, let's play cut to 22. This is John Kirby, the White House spokesperson. The president uh, had a chance this morning to speak by phone with President Lopez Obrador of Mexico. They had a chance to talk about ongoing efforts to manage the unprecedented migratory flows in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, building on the Los Angeles Declaration for Migration and Protection, the President Biden launched in Los Angeles back in June of 22. The two leaders agreed that Additional enforcement actions are urgently needed so that key ports of entry can be reopened across our shared border. Oh, really? Now, supposedly, Secretary of State Tony Blinken is going to go down, along with Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, as well as the advisor Liz Sherwood Randall. They're traveling to Mexico in the next few days. But Tom Homan, you know, who I don't see on that list, Vice President, the borders are... Kamala Harris. I don't see her on that list. You know, it's just, just, just uh, since it's Christmas time, you know what? It's like the, this administration is like the island of misfit toys. You take Alejandro Mayorkas and Blinken and the rest of these fools, they don't want to tell us what's going on. Look, Mexico doesn't want to fix this problem. Why is that? Because last year, Mexico brought in $61 billion in remittance payments. These are people who are here illegally send money back to Mexico. $61 billion, which is a big part of their GDP. They don't want to fix this problem. Mexico, you know, it's against the law to transit through Mexico without a tourist visa. But they're giving it to them. They're giving them a transit visa. Well, they're selling it to them because most of the Mexican government's corrupt. But this Mexican government doesn't want to fix it because they can even fix it. Like under President Trump, they put military on the southern border. They put military on the northern border. They stopped issuing transit visas. They, they agreed to go to remain a Mexico program. They signed down the third safe country agreements. Mexico knows how to help the United States stop this, but they're not going to stop it. 
because they're making a lot of money off it, not only the military, but the, but the, but the uh, law enforcement and the government. I'm not saying all the military is corrupt or all law enforcement is corrupt, but many are. I've dealt with this for three decades. They're not going to fix it. They're making too much money, and it's benefiting the government of Mexico. They have no intention of fixing it. They've got to have a strong president that's going to threaten to tear up the hell of them like the last president did for them to take action. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. I don't think the president of the United States has any desire to actually truly fix this because it's all in his power right now. Go back and use the tools that were there. Enforce the current law. Anybody who's not coming through a port of entry shall be detained and deported. That's that's what they should be doing. Uh, Tom Homan, former acting ICE director, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation, a Fox News contributor. Wish you a Merry Christmas, and thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Merry Christmas, sir. I appreciate what you're doing. Thank Thank you. We'll be right back. You're listening to the most relatable man on the radio. Best way to describe him is to say he's the typical boy next door. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, I'm Jason Chaffetz. Hope you're having a wonderful Merry Christmas. It's that time of year, folks, where it's time to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Gavin Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom's 10-year plan to end San Francisco homelessness. Yes, it was 20 years ago that he said in 10 years he would be able to solve the homeless problem in California. Well, he said San Francisco. And now, becoming governor, he's expanded that plan. And you can see how that uh, attack on homelessness has just gotten so much better in California. Here to tell us uh, all about it and the great success the governor of California is having it is uh, Jessica Milan Patterson. She's the chairwoman of the California Republican uh, Party. Uh, Jessica, thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. Thanks for having me, Congressman. It's good to be with you. Oh, please call me Jason. I really would appreciate it. Um, but Jessica, uh, Gavin Newsom, he's the, the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, this, you, you, uh, you got to live with it. I used to live in California, but I don't anymore. But boy, he has single-handedly done more to destroy California than just about anybody. He really has. And the sad part about it is when he made this promise 20 years ago to the people of San Francisco that he was going to get this done in 10 years, you know, long after he would be finished being mayor there anyway, um, no one just thought that he was going to be taking this problem statewide. And that's exactly what he did. And now 20 years later and $20 billion that California taxpayers have spent on trying to give Democrats the tools to fix the problem of homelessness. Not only have they not made anything better, they have made it so much worse. We just got these numbers out from the HUD from HUD just last week, and our homeless rate went up 5.8% here in California, almost 6%. And when we talk about all of the homeless people across the country, 30% of them are in California. When we talk about the unsheltered, 50% are in California. We spent $20 billion on the problem. Gavin Newsom and California Democrats have failed every single turn. Well, it's the principal approach that they take to it that is just fundamentally wrong. I mean, I was, 
it was just unbelievable to me that uh, when the world leaders came to San Francisco, when you had Xi Jinping, the the you know the the Chinese leader coming, when President Bai was trying, man, they cleaned those streets, they spit shined that, they made it so nice and pristine, looking great. But boy, as soon as the world leaders are gone, the poor people who actually are citizens, the the people who pay the taxes and live there, boy, they just filled right back up, right where they were before. It's such a testament to the fact that it can be done. It can be done because you did it when you wanted to do it. Why wouldn't you want to do that for the citizens of California? You know, we have nearly two-thirds in this last PPIC poll that came out that said that homelessness is a big problem in their local community. That's two-thirds of Californians that are saying this. You know, more than half of the people in this poll said that they saw someone experiencing homelessness on a daily basis. And when we have individuals that are leading, you know, we had Mayor Kevin Faulkner down in San Diego where he was very adamant, we are not going to allow people to die on our streets. We are not going to have tent cities. And he took a compassionate but effective way of approaching homelessness. And while homelessness was going up all across our state, that was a region where homelessness actually went down. The leadership is there, but we got to vote a little different here in California if we want to get different. Yeah, um, more than just a little bit. But I think the people of California and across the country, look, you know, good, good Americans, even though they may be in one particular party or another party, but you know what? I think there's a sense of fairness, and um, they know when something's working or when it's not working. And when they see money extracted from their wallets only to go over here to exacerbate the problem and not actually solve the problem, then I think they, they get it. I uh, We're talking to Jessica Milan Patterson. She's the chairwoman of the California Republican Party. I want to ask you about what happened in Colorado, uh, trying to take Trump off the ballot, because oh, I don't know that there's any expectation that Donald Trump could win California or would win California. I'd like if he's the Republican nominee to to see how that would go. But the idea that you're not going to allow your political opponents to even be on the ballot is so offensive. I, I want you to listen here to Jonathan Turley, one of the more notable attorneys. He was on Laura Ingram. And uh, let's play cut two and then get your reaction to it. The best way to be a defender of democracy is to actually practice democracy, to actually support it, to say that citizens need to go to the polls and to argue that they shouldn't vote for Donald Trump or should not vote for Joe Biden. That's democracy in action. But instead, you have four justices of the Colorado Supreme Court that want to prevent millions of people from voting for what is currently the leading candidate for the presidency. But you also have people like the New York Times editor that recently said that anyone who questions this ruling is standing with Confederates. So you're not standing with the Constitution. You're standing with the Confederacy. And it's that type of overheated rhetoric that we all have to be unified in condemning. Mm. Jessica, what's your take on this? Well, I've actually been using a line that you used the other day. You cannot shout democracy, democracy, democracy on one side and then take your political opponents off the ballot. That is not the way democracy is active. And so what we're seeing here in California, it's a same play, different day. I actually went to court over the legislature taking President Trump off the ballot in our 2020 election cycle. And um, what we saw there in Patterson v. Padilla is that 
the state legislature wasn't even taking into account, like, not just our U.S. Constitution, but our state constitution. And what they're trying to do is make it so that here in California, we have an open primary for our down ticket ballot. And when you don't have the top of your ticket on that ballot and people are not turning out for that, you could end up with multiple races where it's Democrat on Democrat. They're playing the long game with a lot of these things, and they're very strategic. But what they're also doing is completely denying democracy to the citizens of Colorado, or in our case, it was California. Yeah. No, it's scary what they're trying to do. Jessica Milan Patterson, chairwoman of the California Republican Party. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America, and uh, Merry Christmas. Hope you have a wonderful Merry one. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks. Thank you. Now, please stay with us. We got a lot more that's coming up, including a congressman you're going to want to hear from. So stick with us on Fox Across America. Reality with a bit of insanity. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, almost, Jimmy Fallon. You know, I was working with the producers, filling in for Jimmy today. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and we all agreed, hey, let's start with some Christmas music. Every segment, we'll just come right in with Christmas music, and maybe we have to redefine what Jimmy Fallon Christmas music might sound like on this show, because I don't know, that song, pretty pretty jazzy, uh, pretty good, but, you know, maybe not on my playlist for Christmas tunes, but... Hey, I understand. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we got a lot happening in the world. Uh, we're thrilled to have uh, joining us uh, Congressman Dan Muser from Pennsylvania. He represents the 9th Congressional District. He's on the Financial Services Committee. He's on the Small Business Committee. Congressman Muser, thanks so much for joining us on Fox Across America. Hey, Jason. Thanks very much. Great to be with you. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, you got a big football game coming up there. Steelers games coming up with the uh, with the Bengals. You got a prediction for us? Uh, yeah, Steelers going to win. <laughs> uh, Safe bet for probably. the congressman from from Pennsylvania. Well, well played. You know, Jimmy Failure is actually going to the game with his son, so I, he's got high expectations. Excellent, excellent. I'm, well, we. I'm a, I believe it or not, I'm a Pennsylvania fan. I like the Eagles, like the um, Steelers, but you know what? I met Joe Namath when I was seven years old, so I've been cursed by being a, a Jet fan forever. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the Jets will take you to the bottom, but uh, you know what? I actually, their quarterback is actually from Utah, and so I've got some hope that eventually they'll get their act together. They just get an offensive line that will protect the, the kid and let him get some experience. I think they'll actually be pretty good, but – uh, big too. playoff yeah, races. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so it's the holidays. We can take a deep breath. But, boy, right. uh, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about when we turn the corner on January 1st, the number of things that lines up um, in the month of January, even in the first two weeks mm-hmm. of January, is just unbelievable. What's on your radar? What are you concerned about? What are the big items that you need to tackle right after the first of the year? Well, you're right. We've got a number of significant crises and issues to deal with. Uh, first and foremost, I guess, the so-called supplemental, but more importantly, the border. Uh, the border is a complete unmitigated disaster. Most of America knows that at this point. Um, and we're not going to do continued funding uh, overseas without our border being protected. 
that's where we are. It's where Mike Johnson is. And I think uh, uh, almost 100 percent, I think, of, of the Republican majority. Uh, I'm actually uh, just notified I'm going to go on a trip to the border. We're going to go to uh, uh, Eagles Pass uh, on January 2 uh, to go inspect the uh, disaster. You know, I, I was there once under Trump uh, when it was enormously improved, actually twice. And then I was there under Biden, and I saw with my eyes, of course, the uh, unbelievable difference and the catastrophes and the drugs and the human trafficking and CBP looking at me with weary eyes, agent telling me that he, he feels sometimes that they're, they're a link in the chain of human trafficking. I mean, it's, it's a disaster. So that's, that's, a, that's important, and hopefully they, they, they come around and correct course well, to, to an extent. But, well, well, um, but on that point, sorry to interrupt, but what, on that please. point, what is the justification? What are, what are the d- Democrats saying? I mean, they would much rather yeah. not secure the border right. than have funding for some of the things that they think are priorities. But I just have never yeah. understood what is the argument. Because we legally and lawfully bring in a million people a year. But right. is there More any limit to where they want to see these open borders go? Yeah, it's it's you know, it's a great question and everybody ponders it because it's not at this point politically uh, advantageous for them either. Um I think it comes down to two things. One, their ideology. Uh they just have their ideology sometimes trumps their their grasp uh for for power, their Machiavellian approach to uh, to governing where they just say anything to to win. Uh, but the ideology is that the United States is an oppressor nation, and uh, Trump was bad, so they're going to reverse what he's done, and they're going to uh, make the criminals uh, and those who are breaking the law, not just criminals, but those who are breaking the law, illegal immigrants are doing that, the the uh, victims. Uh, and we, uh, frankly, we see it in our streets. We see this ideology in the defunding of police and the, and how prosecutors – prosecutors, they're not prosecutors, they're they're um, uh, they're they're, they're plaintiff attorneys for crying out loud um, uh, in, in most of our cities. So I think it's about ideology and it's also about making uh, doing their best to make Texas and Arizona blue because uh, there really can be no other reason behind it. Even though their ideology is whack and is deadly and hurtful, uh, they're, they're sticking to it when it comes to uh, when it comes to the border. And you know what they say, Jason? And I talk to Democrats about it. They say, well, it's not just about border security. It's about Illegal immigration, comprehensive illegal immigration reform. And I say, that's great. That's a great talking point. Be specific. What needs to be done within right. that? And, and, and you know what? President Trump was willing to negotiate on, on some, some of those uh, macro parameters. And we are, right? I mean, you know, as far as extended visas go for seasonal workers and, and perhaps DACA, and, but, but our asylum laws need to be enforced. Uh, Remain in Mexico needs to be there. Catch and release needs to end. We got to stop this. We got to go to war with the, with the drug cartels. Yeah, this needs to be done, and it can be done. So that's well, a big one. That, I mean, yeah. it's so. But just to kind of finish off that point, I mean, that's mm-hmm. the idea: is that it doesn't require more money necessarily, as much as it no. requires them to actually enforce the current laws. No question. That's it. It's not the money. It's the enforcement. And I hear Anthony Blinken is, uh, and I think uh, Austin as well, is on their way to Mexico uh, to meet with them. And that's what, that's, what, that's what President Trump did. 
He had a great relationship with then president of, of Mexico, and they used their military to guard their southern and northern borders. They were they were yeah. we were cooperating. We were working together. So um, yeah, let's see if they will they have any will and volition to uh, to correct this terrible situation. That's okay. great. So that I'm was, glad to hear you yeah. say uh, immigration is one of the core issues. Uh, yeah. what, what else is on the plate in the docket uh, come January? Well, well, of course, the whole um, appropriations, the budget. We'll see what we can do there. Uh, the CR extension that nobody's happy with. Uh, you know, they're, they're, we got the, uh, the so-called Massey rule where we'll have a 1% reduction, so it'll actually decrease spending versus 2022, but it's not our bill. I mean, it's a, it's a CR. It's a continuation of what was passed last year, so it is far from ideal, far from where we want to allocate funds. Um, so hopefully we, we can get, get that done. Uh, and and the Senate the Senate passes. Another big thing is the uh, is the, the FISA situation with the NDAA, the extension of FISA till April 14th. I mean that's a really contested uh, issue, uh, and rightfully so. We need to get this right. We we frankly we the FBI and the Department of Justice has not earned our trust uh, of the American people, and there's no way we can continue allowing warrantless surveillance of american citizens uh you know they have the so-called backdoor approach if an american citizen contacts a foreign national now that american citizen could be that that's under surveillance accidentally or deliberately um we uh, we now have the ability to surveil them and, and without without a warrant and uh, american people uh, don't want that to continue and i agree with them when you go home when you're when you're at the supermarket or wherever or out doing some christmas shopping there in pennsylvania you don't get much time to do that as a congressman but when you do do that and you're pumping yeah. gas or someone like, what what do the people of good people of pennsylvania tell you that mm. they're really concerned about is it still yeah. inflation the economy what, what what's what's at the top of their concern yeah. well you know, it's funny. I do go to the grocery store on occasion. I, I tell my wife, well, it's going to take a while because I end up having a town hall in there. Which is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you definitely do get it. Um, they're, they're just frustrated. They're, they're very concerned. They, they, they do believe that, that, that Biden is a very weak uh, president. Uh, they see all the spending. You know, they do bring that up. Of course, the inflation is uh, is a, a, is a problem, and it's an irritant. And you know, gasoline prices. Why we do? Why we have the border uh, policies that we have? Why is all this spending continue? Why can't we we bring it, uh, rein it in? Uh, why are gasoline prices so high? Why are we sending 113 billion dollars to Ukraine when our when our border is open? I mean, you know, it's national security. It's uh, it's the economy. It's also the crime. I mean, the crime comes up, crime, especially in D.C., but in my district, too. And then the scandals. I mean, people are like, did he really do all these things? Did, did, they, did they create phony or, or do their best to create uh, bank accounts that, that millions and millions of dollars got delivered to via, you know, from the darkest corners of, of the world, from China to from the CCP members to uh, Moscow to the Ukraine. You know, you, you found the Biden family, they don't have any clients in London or Ontario <laughs> or Paris. <laughs> right, right, right. right. <laughs> they all happen to be with some of our biggest adversaries. And also, they happen to be in places where uh, President 
uh, Obama gave Joe Biden great latitude, uh, particularly in Ukraine, to to yeah. to have at it and do, and but you know he's just dingling dangling the billion dollars in U.S. money to get rid of the prosecutor that was maybe looking into the 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 company that Hunter yeah. Biden served on the board of. Oh yeah. wow, what a coincidence yeah. that one is! Yeah, I'm what, sure, a lot of coincidences, a lot of coincidences, and phony emails and aliases and phone calls that. And, and you know what's important on this, that the reason for the impeachment inquiry and all, because that, that's also important, but I think the other things are, are more important. But, you know, we got to get to the bottom of this as far as the accountability goes. I mean, why, why did the president lie every time? Why does he continue to lie? He states that it's all lies. Every, every bit of evidence that we see, all the bank accounts, all the money Jim Biden has sent uh, directly to the president that we know of, over $400,000 or $250,000 or so, all the meetings, all of the trips of Hunter on Air Force Two to China, and mountains of evidence. And meanwhile, the media loves to say there's – their talking point is there's – meanwhile, there's no evidence of wrongdoing directly related to Joe Biden, right? And meanwhile, there's mountains of it, and people are onto this, and they're very frustrated. And, you know, I equate this to in the 90 percent of the media to what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop before the election, stating that it was Russian disinformation. No, that's been significantly disproven, and they're trying to do that on this. They're trying to run out the clock on on, uh, these scandals, this millions of dollars of transfer and the continued lies that take place and, you know, what, what was delivered for it or or. Uh, or, you know, why Why was the money uh, – why, why did they continue to pay them, meaning the Biden family? There had to be a reason for it, for these millions of dollars to come in. And then the cover-up with the IRS and yeah. the DOJ and, you know, uh, special yeah, if not, if not for these uh, whistleblowers going to Senator Grassley and saying, hey, what we saw here is wrong. We're not Republicans. We're just here to tell you that this is fundamentally wrong. Good for them. And you also have to deal with the Hunter Biden contempt issue uh, because he does need to be held in contempt for noncompliance yeah. of a duly issued right. subpoena. Congressman Dan Muser, wish you the merriest of Christmases and a happy new year. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. We do appreciate it. Jason, you do a great job. Really appreciate being on. Merry Christmas and talk to you in the new year. Very good. Stick with us. We got Derek Anderson coming up. You'll want to hear him. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, that's a little better Christmas music. You know, I'm on the traditional old Burl Ives kind of Frank Sinatra scene for me. I like the old school, old school Christmas. But, you know, it's got a little more funky beat to it. I I understand. I'm filling in for Jimmy Failey. I'm Jason Chaffetz, by the way. Um, I'm thrilled to, to be hosting this show. So that was in the in the genre that we were looking for. So appreciate the producers on that one. I also want to give a quick plug for two things. One is my Jason in the House podcast. Go to just type in Jason in the House, wherever you listen to podcasts. Good, fun stuff. Lots of great interviews. More about how people 
got to where they got to, who they are and how they became. We highlight the stupid because there's always somebody doing something stupid somewhere. And we talk a little bit about the news, but it's really more a profile and, and how people uh, got to where they uh, got to. And I think you really enjoy it. Steve Womack's um, up. And then next will be uh, my conversation, my holiday conversation with uh, Trey Gowdy. That's coming up next week. So I uh, hope you uh, enjoy that. But uh, that and my puppeteers book, the puppeteers, the people who control the people who control America. You need a last second Christmas gift. I'm just saying you got dad, got grandpa, got grandma, got your mom, whoever it might be, wife, brother, sister, husband. I'm just saying the puppeteers might be a good, good thing. Something to consider. All right, we are really pleased to have uh, a guest here. Uh, he's uh, he's running for the House of Representatives. His name is Derek Anderson, and he's uh, running for Congress in Virginia's seventh congressional district. Uh, Derek, thanks for joining us. Hey, Jason. Thanks again for having me. Hey, no, I really I should be using your military title because you know one of the great <laughs> things you bring to this is your service to our country. So. As we kick this off, and again, we're talking to Derek Anderson, I got to say thank you, thank you, thank you for your service to our country. No, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, um, it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I, spent, I spent, spent a little over 10 years on active duty. Uh, I, was a, I was a Green Beret. Um, started off as an infantry guy, though. Um, earned my Ranger tab, Green Beret. Uh, did about six deployments, including Iraq and Afghanistan. I also... Uh, I trained with the Israeli Army, uh, the IDF, and the Israeli Special Forces, which, as we all have seen over the last two or so months, um, you know, I, it's given me some really insight on, you know, what's going on in Israel, uh, how how the operation has been conducted, uh, what's what's you know, the tunnel systems is obviously a big a big topic of conversation, um, which we're seeing the Israelis right now, really taking it to the tunnel systems and uh, destroying some of that underground infrastructure, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I spent a little over 10 years uh, doing that. Um, went, ended up going to law school. Uh, you know, thought I was going to blissfully go into the wind as a lawyer. And uh, I decided to run um, specifically after watching what had happened in Afghanistan. You know, the, uh, the, the withdrawal, the disaster, uh, more like it, uh, withdrawal in Afghanistan uh, really hit a nerve with me. You know, I lost, I lost five of my guys in Afghanistan. And, uh, it was one of those situations where you're kind of staring at the TV watching what happened. And I was like, what the heck is going on? You know, like I, I just, it was unfathomable. And then, you know, to hear some of the stories from some of my green berets that were still serving them uh, and still continue to now, um, you know, hearing the chaos that was on the ground that day. And during those, those last uh, few hours we were in Afghanistan was just, it was crazy, you know? And so I kind of did some internal soul searching and said, you know, I'm sick and tired of, throwing stuff at the TV uh, and that I was, yeah. I wanted to serve in a new capacity. And for me, it's one of those kind of uh, bittersweet things. You know, I'm, I'm running in, in the seventh congressional district, which is my hometown. I'm well, Derek, Derek, thank you for your service. Derek Anderson running for Congress in Virginia. Have a look at what he's doing. Derek Anderson. I wish I had more time, but Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for your service and good luck in your, in your congressional quest. Stay with us. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, almost Jimmy Fallon. This is Jason Chaffetz. I'm filling in for Jimmy. 
Jimmy's off doing some very important covert things that he does on the side, and we got to let him do that and give him the space to do it and not ask any questions. So that's what I've been told. Uh, thrilled to be uh, filling in for him. we got a lot happening in the news, and I'm really got a good friend of ours, somebody you're probably very familiar with, at least I hope you are, with Joe Concha. He's a columnist for The Messenger, he's Fox News contributor and all-around good guy. Joe Concha, thanks for joining us. Wow, Jason, you got that PayPal I sent you before for the nice introduction. So uh, good to see uh, technology still helping both of us. Thank you. It's amazing what $4 will get you. So <laughs> Nothing these days. <laughs> you know, I, I, you got, man's got limits, but, yeah. And, you know, now that I'm not in Congress, I can, I can accept gifts. So I do appreciate it. So were you ever you. offered something like really cool that you were tempted to take, but then had to turn down? Well, there's things you're, yeah, there were, there were some trips that were kind of sketchy that, you know, you're allowed to do congressional trips and stuff, but never really offered much of anything. Um, I no, you know, you're, <laughs> you, here's the, here's one of the goofy rules in Congress. It's called the toothpick rule. Yeah. So if you're going out to dinner, my financial advisor told me, he said, look, just never accept a free meal. Just always pay for yourself. And I thought, all right, it's a good rule of thumb. So if you go to a reception and you eat something on a toothpick standing up, then you can eat it. No problem. But if you sit down and use a knife and fork, then you're breaking the rules. Seriously. Even though you're asking for them for a $2,500 contribution, they can't buy you, you know. Wow. Compared to, I guess, uh, selling the family name to the tune of millions for your family members that you push through shell companies. I guess that... (laughs) That's about on the same level, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, exactly, the toothpick <laughs> rule. All right, Joe, I thought I'd try something with you that's a little different. But, you know, okay. it's the holiday season. There's lots happening in the news. So I'm just going to go around the horn, mm-hmm. and I'm going to name stories, and then I just want you to react to them. I like stories. All right. This story comes from foxnews.com, and the headline is, Ohio woman celebrates 105th birthday with 105 Fireball shots. Life of the party. A woman celebrated her big milestone birthday with over 100 whiskey shooters. She's 105 as of December 16th. What's your take on that? Are they all for her? Uh, She goes by the name of Flo. (laughs) She lives in Loveland, Ohio, and they got pictures. So I, I don't doubt that she had said she was surrounded by 50 guests yeah. And she's celebrated by watching the Cincinnati Bengals by drinking Fireball. Wow, Bill Hemmer was probably there. Yeah, um, <laughs> if she did the whole 105, I'm certain she's not making it to 105 in one day. Uh, at the University of Maryland, where uh, I, I may uh, have taken up some space for a few years, uh, we had a tradition that on your 21st birthday, uh, you went to a place called the VU, and then you had, which was short for rendezvous, and you had to do uh, 21 shots for your 21st birthday. Ouch. And I'm sorry, it was Santa Fe, it wasn't Vu. But the point is that, uh, yeah, you had to do, see, I already forgot where I actually did this. I got to around like 16, 17, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. I, I woke up, uh, I think it was in Baltimore, which College Park, Maryland is nowhere near. So uh, that, that wasn't a good night. Yeah. All right, this one, uh, the next one, ha- Obama privately went to bat for Harvard president amid anti-Semitism controversy. What's your take on the Harvard president? 
the Harvard president, Claudine Gay, cut and paste Claudine, we're calling her now. Uh, when you, look, you've written books and I've written books and attribution is very important. And if yes. you miss maybe one, right, okay, it's five, 300 words, whatever, how long your book is, it may happen and make it by the editor. When it happens more than 40 times and it's as blatant and verbatim as it has been with Gay, I, I can't get past that, but I hate the fact that this is almost distracting us from the original reason why we're paying attention to this Harvard president in the first place, which is the fact that she said that it's okay if you call for the genocide of Jews on her campus, as long as it's done in the proper context, as if genocide has context. So she should be long gone. I don't know how she has a job. Maybe they're looking to get through the holidays or everybody's going to hope it goes away, but I, I hope it does not. But either way, Jason, this is your stat of the day. Even if you get rid of Claudine Gay, the problem is at Harvard, they have a student newspaper called the Crimson, and they did a survey of all the professors there and asked them, what ideology do you think you fall under? What, what pertains to you? 97% said somewhat or very liberal, less than 2% conservative. So even if you remove the president, you're still going to have that cancer, which is non-diversity of thought on campuses like Harvard, Columbia, Penn, and even down to the state school level. It's a big problem. The hiring practice are a whole bowl of wrong. It's a liberal bash. I don't mind liberals as long as you have counterweights of conservatives, but there are no counterweights right now, Jason. Yeah, you're supposed to be teaching kids how to think and think for themselves and challenge their thinking. I don't mind having diversity, but they don't have the diversity that they claim. It's so funny to me, ironic, that those who preach the most diversity usually have the least amount of it. It, It's just (laughs) amazing. All right, let's go to the next headline. It's the border. Pick whatever stat you want. It is upside down. They are overwhelmed. They are swamped. What's your take on what's going on at the border? It's a, we're well past crisis at this point. That's many, many exits ago. We're now a catastrophe. This is a catastrophe right now from a humanitarian perspective. It's a catastrophe for our American resources as far as educational, as far as health care, as far as fentanyl coming into this country, uh, poisoning our people, if I could use that word still, if that's, if that's allowed. Uh, no, I'm not making any reference to any uh, leader that was around in the 30s and 40s in Europe. Uh, it, it is poisoning our society, fentanyl. Over 100,000 people dying per year, the leading cause of death, death of those between 18 and 49. But it's a national security crisis as well, Jason, as you know well. Uh, it, we have, have hundreds of folks that have been coming across our border that have been apprehended who are on the FBI terror watch list. Those are the ones we know about. Those are the amateurs. The really skilled terrorists, I would imagine, can get to this country undetected and then go meet up with whatever cell may be forming as we talk about this. So when the next 9-11 happens, we're all going to look back on this and say, why wasn't more done? And Republicans are trying. I'll give them credit in the House. They passed the Secure the Border Act, which the president calls extreme and doesn't want any part of. And if any terror attack happens in this country, major one, because of somebody who came through our poorest border, then this president should be impeached and removed immediately, full stop. Yeah, heaven forbid that happens. The other side effect I think that's happening here is there's a lot of complaints about the cost of housing, Uh, rental properties, home buying, all that. When you pour millions of people in here illegally, guess what? They need food, they need water, they need shelter, they need education, they need health care. And so who bears the brunt of that? We all do. And so when you say, oh, well, young people can't afford to get a house, a newly married couple or even somebody single can't go out and get. Well, you're competing with four million people that were purposely put here and they got a house somewhere. And these sanctuary states and sanctuary 
cities have not changed their policies. They're still sanctuaries. That's what drives me nuts. Eric Adams, people keep praising him. Like, oh, he's standing up to the president. He's saying that this is wrong. He's just asking for more money. When I hear him say we're no longer a sanctuary city, then you get the gold star uh, from Jason Chaffetz and Joe Concha. Until then, all he wants to do is plug more holes in the boat instead of turn the boat around and don't allow any more people into the city, no more people into the country. That's why Donald Trump, I don't mind if he's going to act like a dictator, and he was obviously tongue-in-cheek on that one, but he was half-serious as well. If on day one he wants to close the border and start drill baby drilling, I have zero issue with that. And Joe Biden did the same exact thing except in reverse on his day one. So turnaround is fair play. Don't mind it at all, but I want Congress to have a a permanent solution at some point. Amen to that. Uh, Last headline for you. Uh, This one starts with Florida, man. And you know any headline that starts with Florida, man, it's going to be a good one. Florida man goes fishing in Bass Pro Shops Pond, flees with live 50-pound tarpon. And if you haven't seen it yet, Joe, he walks into a Bass Pro Shop. The allegation is he takes his net, dips it in, pulls out a 50-pound fish, and then walks out the door. How is that a sport? <laughs> like, how is that challenging to you? I, I just went for a hike with my dog, and I walked within, like, two feet of a deer, right? D- several deer, actually, three of them. And I'm like, how is this a sport where I could literally – they don't even move at this point because there's so many around us that they interact <laughs> basically with the humans. I'm like, how is this a sport? I could take out all three of these deer right now. Unless they could shoot back, then I don't see it as a sport. So, I, yeah, you walk into this pond, you, you grab the fish, you walk out. What is the point, dude? The whole thrill of fishing is when you feel the tug on that hook for the first time, and then you got to battle and battle until you win or lose. Uh, we got some strange people in this country, don't we, Jason? Or maybe too much information. <laughs> TMI, I guess, in this case. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe getting ready for that Christmas fish that he was trying to get. I, but I, you know what's the difference between Florida and everywhere else? Florida is actually going out there and trying to find him and prosecute him because most other shoplifters in, in other states like California and New York, they just let him go. But, no, you can't be doing that. Illegal no shot. Fishing. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it now. I mean, this is crazy. Yeah. Is he going to eat it, you think, or is this will be a catch and release kind of situation? I, I, I don't know, but Bass Pro <laughs> Shops, he can't just go in there and scoop one out and take it home oh, like man. it's a goldfish. Joe Concha, sponsors, so columnist for The Messenger, Fox News contributor, all-around good guy. Merry Christmas to you and your family, Joe. Appreciate you joining us. Merry Christmas, Mr. Chaffetz. Talk to you soon. All right. We'll be back. Stay with us. We've got a great guest, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, coming up. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. He is one of those iconic figures that fans care about. All right, this is Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. Welcome to Fox Across America. Now the producers are getting it. Little Burl Ives. Nothing speaks Christmas or sings Christmas like Burl Ives. Burl Ives, Frank Sinatra, all those... Kind of the classics, the old school stuff. That's what I love on the Christmas time. But uh, we're not here to hear what I like. I want to hear what our guests like. And we're thrilled to have one of my favorite people on the planet, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. She's a a uh, board-certified radiologist, Fox News contributor, and all-around great mom and uh, a good friend, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Thanks for joining us. Ah, Jason, what a nice introduction. I'm so happy to be on with you today. Well, I'm thrilled to chat with you. You lead a very, very busy life, and um, I really do appreciate it. Now, you wrote an op-ed that was very um, touching last week. It says, family is an important Christmas gift to those who are struggling. 
you know, the holidays are a great celebration for a lot of people, but they also bring a lot of heartache. A lot of hard things happen to people in life, and, and they bring about emotions that, that are difficult. So what, what advice do you give to people who are going through some hardship, too? Well, you know, Jason, you know, one of my favorite things about Christmas is truly coming together. I get all three of my kids home. We spend all day Christmas Eve and Christmas cooking and just being together. And it's really that feeling of togetherness that warms my heart. But it's important to remember that not everybody has that same feeling of togetherness. Now, there are various different reasons why that may be. But one of the things that I'm starting to get increasingly concerned about is that as a society, we're depending less on our family units. We're finding people are more inclined to depend on external factors, you know, friends and, you know, maybe their jobs and others, and they're, they're not focusing or giving as much effort to their family. And I just want to have people pause for a second and remember how important family really is. And mental illness around the holidays, anybody who's been struggling with anxiety or depression, it can certainly get worse. So it's important to just make sure you're there for your friends, your family, those around you, and anything you can to maybe bring just like a little bit of happiness or support to them, I strongly recommend doing. Yeah, it's amazing how just reaching out a little bit, um, just saying hello, and, you know, a text is great, you know, it's nice, but there's nothing like an actual phone call or even better, a visit, even with somebody who maybe had a little animosity with or Somebody, my theory on this is that everybody's struggling with something. You just don't know where it is. And most people, you know, they hide it or they're just not out there sharing it publicly. But there's not a one of us who's got some age to their their lives that hasn't had some sort of hardship or difficulty or a struggle or loss of a loved one or an accident. I mean, it could be anything, right? So what advice do you give to those who can give something, but also probably need to be on the receiving end. You know, one of the things that I love to say, and I'm going to make this, you know, a little PG for the phone, but everyone has their crap. You know, we're all dealing with something. And for some people, it can be something terrible, like the loss of a loved one, a cancer diagnosis. And for others, it can just be feeling overwhelmed with the normal hustle and bustle of life. But at the end of the day, when you're finding yourself frustrated or you're finding yourself being hurried and rushing into the store and getting frustrated with someone right in front of you, just just recognize that everyone's kind of dealing with something and kindness goes a long way. So find it deep within you just to have a little bit of patience. I mean, patience, especially in today's world, is really rare and hard to come by. But if we can reach deep inside of us, be a little bit more forgiving, be a little bit more respectful of other people's opinions. And just find that patience. You know, it really will bring us back to a level of humanity that I think we're, we're really missing a lot these days. Yeah, you know, it's funny because you, you, somebody looks at you wrong at the grocery store or in, or in traffic or you bump into somebody and you think, uh, you know, why are they mad at me or why this? You know, and it, it probably most often it has nothing to do with you. It's just they've got other things that are going on in their lives and you just happen to cross their paths. But I can still remember some of the sweet things that were done that were the smallest of gestures, um, and yet they stay with me just because somebody felt like, gosh, you know what, somebody actually cared enough to say hello or say thank you or do something. 
You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a good friend of mine today who, between the two of us, out of our five kids, they've all been sick of one thing or the other last week. And so, you know, she's also feeling very stressed out, very tired, very frustrated. And she told me that when she was at the grocery store this morning trying to get all the groceries at a, you know, small little moment where she had childcare, you know, she was on the verge of tears. And then someone actually stopped her and she felt like she was going to lose her mind. Like, no, 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 you can't stop me. You can't, I, I can't talk. I, I don't have time for it. And it was a stranger. And all they said was, you just have such a beautiful hair. It just highlights your face so perfectly. And she just just stopped dead in her tracks. And she's like, that was like all I needed in that moment was a moment of kindness. And, you know, a little bit of kindness can go a long way. Yeah, you know, you're a, you're a medical doctor. You're dealing with a tough cancer patient diagnosis and people in the hospital and, you know, uh, myself included, you know, you're sick and you're having trouble and then you call you, they, you know, and say, hey, doc, what do I do? You know, um, what about those people that are, you know, maybe they're getting at home care in the hospital. What can, what can people do to help them? Because you can't just necessarily walk in the hospital and, you know, hand out candy canes. So what, what can you do? <laughs> yeah, you know what? So it takes a village. And one of the things, if you look to the areas in the world where people report the best health and the happiness, it's not just because, sure, they eat healthier, they have more physical activity, but they also have a very strong social network and they maintain socialization. Right. And so if you have loved ones or you know of someone who's struggling, maybe they have someone in the hospital, all you have to do is you can ask, what can I do for you? Can I drop off food for your family? Can I offer a ride? Maybe someone doesn't drive. Anything. It could be anything. Can I pick up your dry cleaning? Any help really is it's it's monumental and i don't think people really understand on just offering something that may seem it may seem insignificant to you but it may mean the world to someone else i told this story many times but i met these two marines serving in afghanistan i asked the guy asked the marine what's his number one concern he said i need somebody to help mow my lawn because my wife is so overwhelmed and it still touches my heart like gosh couldn't we reach out and help guy mow this lawn uh, I wish we had more time to chat. I wish you nothing but the merriest of Christmas to you and your whole family. Nicole, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, a Fox News contributor, radiologist, and all-around great person. Thanks for joining us on Fox Across America. It's the morning show that uh, overslept Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, I'm Jason Chaffetz. I really appreciate the producers here following through on their commitment that, hey, let's just bump in, as they call it, with, with Christmas music. And nothing nothing speaks Christmas more than Guns N' Roses, who I think that is. Um, so, I, you know, have that kind of Christmas. I really do. That's sort of Jimmy Failure's way of saying, yeah. This is Christmas, uh, Fox Across America. Way I thought it was uh, it was a good uh, Christmas the song. I really do appreciate it. Uh, and thanks to Jimmy for letting me uh, fill in for him. Uh, thrilled to do it. The holidays are fun. Really do enjoy it. Look, there's a lot of weighty, big issues out there. We're going to talk about them. But as we were just talking about with the Dr. Nicole Sapphire, I also hope that uh, you find some peace and some comfort in your life and everything that you're doing and uh, whatever challenges that you may take a deep breath and recognize there are people out there that love you, care for you, and that somehow, some way, all the challenges in America 
and around the world, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll somehow figure it out. America, it seems, tends to get these things right. Sometimes takes a while, sometimes a little messy, but yeah, we'll get from here to there. Uh, and here to talk about all of that is uh, somebody that was very familiar to me because I think every time I've ever guest hosted a radio show uh, for Fox News, um, she has been a guest, and I do appreciate it. The Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody is with us. Uh, Attorney oh, General Moody, thank back. you. Of course, great to be with you. And I think Guns N' Roses is very appropriate this week, as because as we're celebrating and getting ready for Christmas, you know, there's a lot of serious stuff going on, and I just think that reflects that this uh, show is uh, staying. Staying on it. It's Staying some fresh. And that... There's some stuff going on, you know, at the border right now. They're breaking records and like we've never seen ever in the history of our country. So oh, if you can't stay on track, I don't know what show will. All right. Well, let's listen to Mayor Eric Adams. He's the mayor of New York City. You know, he was elected because he had a law enforcement background. Um, but he also very quickly when he was uh, won the election and he started off as mayor, he was in favor of giving illegal aliens the right to vote. Uh, he was one of those uh, folks in, you know, New York City, New York State or sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. They tacitly invite these people because, hey, come to our sanctuary state, all these great things. They still have not reversed that position. They're still standing behind that we're a sanctuary city and a sanctuary state, but now they're complaining about the money. Let's listen to Cut 28 and his take on what's happening with our immigration mess. I am lost and I'm confused on this uh, topic on why we still, almost 20 months later, we're still talking about this issue, and it has inundated the city, over 150000 uh, $5 billion in our budget, $12 billion over the three-year period. It is really impacting the basic services in our, in our city, and we need a relief. No, we need a solution, Mayor, and a relief is not just filling up your, your piggy bank to pay for all of it. It's to cut off the problem so it doesn't keep filling up with more and more people. Well, yeah, you nailed it. And I, I talk about this constantly. Dems, they think they can do whatever they want policy-wise, wreck, uproot, you know, just cause chaos due, due to their policies. And then they just sugarcoat over it, like almost like painting over a molded wall by throwing more money at a problem. And when he says, I'm confused and how we haven't fixed this, and it's because they're not – Biden and the administration and Congress haven't given any money to just paint over the problem. So he's confused because they don't know what to do when they're not given more money to just disguise the rot of, of that's been caused by their policies. You know, exactly. even the Arizona governor, Katie Hobbs, has come out and, and, and had to admit, I'm taking action where the federal government won't and calling out the National Guard. I mean, at least she's doing something. The problem well, is... They all think they just need to process more people into the interior quicker, and they need more money to do that and to provide more services without following the law. That's the problem. Yeah, uh, and there was a report. Um, it's a few days old, so maybe things have changed, but they said down in Arizona they haven't seen a single National uh, uh, Guardsman out there uh, actually doing their job. Now, maybe they actually did get called out, but the initial report was it's not like the guard showed up the next day or next few days. We'll see if that report, turn, how that report turns out. But the, you are right um, that just throwing money at it isn't 
going to actually solve it. And the Biden and Harris, the president and vice president, they made a very conscious decision to fundamentally change what was already in place and already working. So let's listen to, uh, he was on, uh, Mark Thiessen was on Special Report, and Mark Thiessen, really super smart guy. Uh, let's listen to Cut 26 and then get uh, Attorney General Moody's uh, reaction to it. It's a disaster for the country. It's a disaster for Joe Biden. But the reason they're getting serious about it is not because of the polls primarily. It's not because the crisis has gotten worse because it's been getting worse every year for three years. It's because Republicans are forcing them because they're they're saying we're not going to pass aid to Ukraine or Israel or Taiwan uh, until this is passed. So the Republicans are using their leverage to force the Biden administration to do something about this crisis. I mean, Jay Johnson said in 2019, a thousand encounters at the border is is would overwhelm the system. We just hit a record of 12,000 last week and then broke it a week later at 12,600. That that you it can't go on. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, he's absolutely right. It can't go on. 12,600 encounters on Monday, a single-day record this week. Think about that, ever. I mean, at this rate, it it is absolutely a siege of this country. Border agents are overwhelmed, 200 to 1. Think about the image of that. They're being overwhelmed. The, The numbers are so great that at this point you have to say, what are you doing Mr. President, wake up. Your country's under siege. Stand up for your border agents, for their safety. Don't let them be overwhelmed. Hey, how about standing up for your country and Americans? Just do something. Republicans do have to force their hand. I agree. But I think the biggest mistake for Americans and, and all of the pundits and the experts out there would be to think that there has to be something that that is by compromise in Congress, because Biden alone has caused this. He could fix it tomorrow if he would follow the law and do his job. We've been trying to say that all along. So I don't want this. And I'm so proud of those people standing up in Congress trying to force their hand. But it's a mistake to think Biden can't do this without that. He can. He has the authority to do it. In fact, he's mandated to do it. And he's just ignored the law for three years. That is the point, right? You just enforce the current law. They're not Republicans aren't asking for more money. They're not asking for less money, as was accused by the White House. What they're suggesting is that they just actually enforce the law, and and that's not what's being done. Uh, Attorney General Moody, let me let me uh, shift gears just a little bit. And I don't know how familiar you are with this, uh, but certainly you've probably seen it in the news. But in regards to Jeffrey Epstein. You know, supposedly a judge is now going to release the names of people that were involved. Minus three. Now, I'm going to be fascinated to see what the spin is and the justification of holding back on three names that won't be released. That'll cause more speculation as to whose names, who are the three that are out there that they just can't release for some unknown reason. Um, but what's your take on this whole situation? Why is it taken so long to get the uh, list of people that were down there with somebody that had been convicted of being a pedophile? I believe I, I, I want to make sure I give the right charge, but, you know, he's certainly involved in some very nefarious things. I, I don't want to overstate, but I don't want to understate it either. This guy was a bad guy. Well, you know, I think the the challenge in a court system is to ensure that, you know, the public has access, there's transparency, 
um, that as discovery is obtained, um, that the public can see that. I mean, I think in most states and even federally, the rules um, lean towards transparency. There are these mechanisms for to to apply to you know redact or you know keep out of the public view. Sometimes it's done for different reasons. Some of the rules are to prevent juries from being swayed prior to trial. Some are to prevent innocent people, you know, that that don't have anything to do as far as being a suspect, but just might be right. in some way connected from their names being released. There are different rules in different states. Um, I agree with you. I think that this has taken a very long time. Uh, I think that those involved needed to understand that because of the nature of these offenses, that people would want to know, like, who was involved uh, and who was being accused and as part of the investigation and case. Uh, And so I do think it has taken an inordinate amount of time. I was a judge and and a federal prosecutor for a very long time. I, I, like you, am surprised at the amount of time it has taken. The process doesn't surprise me in the sense that there were claims that there needed to be um, some names shielded, but generally that's done in an expedited way so that there's some decision on the matter. So, you know, it, it's good that we're seeing some progress, and, and I think that is generally what the law and the rules uh, lean toward is transparency. Well, and Senator Marsha Blackburn is done uh, from Tennessee has done a – a fantastic job of trying to extract those. And you have Senator Durbin who's claiming ignorance on the whole thing. I I didn't know anybody requested that. And clearly she's been, uh, you know, uh, pounding her fist to try to get that out and out to the public. So I think the public does have a right to know. All right. Last question. I got to get your take on the Colorado ruling. Um, Obviously trying to, um, take anybody off the ballot for a supposed crime that they were never charged with and never convicted of is just beyond me that that's where the Democrats are are trying to do now is just take people off the ballot. And the Florida Democratic Party is not even going to hold an election for the primary or caucus or whatever systems in place there in Florida because they're just going to say that it's uncontested, even though Dean Phillips, a congressman, and, uh, you know, back in the day, RFK Jr. wanted to participate in that in Florida. They're just saying, hey, oh, yeah, you know, Joe Biden, he's just the nominee. I mean, without even having an election. And these are the same people who claim we got we can't put Donald Trump in place because he would destroy democracy. Yeah, it's unbelievable the hypocrisy that comes from that party. And these are great examples, right? You know, trying to keep people off the ballot, trying to change uh, the way and the opportunity for members of your own party right. to compete and compete fairly. You know, look, that was a I, I think you will see the Supreme Court finds that that is a complete misinterpretation of the 14th Amendment. Um, unbelievable uh, that that is happening in America. And I think you're seeing people from both sides uh, of the political spectrum shocked. And, you know, this year has been chock full of, you know, unprecedented maneuvers to manipulate our justice system to advantage a political party or candidate or disadvantage, moreover. And I just think that um, the American people are really tired of this. They are suspicious of this. And you can see with every single
single indictment, starting with the one in New York by Bragg, who every – if you were a prosecutor or a judge like myself, saw that as such a stretch to go after someone politically. For, that as, as indictment came down and over and over and over, I think you just saw people – the reaction from from folks that even probably weren't even as engaged is just it's a visceral protectionist response and it's to protect uh, you know the authenticity of our of our structures and our elections and and candidates that want an opportunity to run what this country is is founded on a nation of free people that gets to decide who they want to lead them because after all it's a, it's a government of we the people. It's who we want to be there. And I just think you're seeing this visceral response by folks like this can't happen in America. And by darn on our watch, we're not going to let it. Well, but, you know, President Joe Biden had an opportunity to, to rise above the fray and actually make a cogent statement that was based on principle. And he didn't. And uh, he again accused the president of something he's never been charged of. And certainly not convicted of. And I guess it begs the question for me, if it's so evident to Joe Biden that he was involved and engaged in insurrection, why wasn't he charged? He's in charge of the Department of Justice. He's the commander in chief. He's the president of the United States. But he didn't do it. And uh, it's unfair to suggest that he did do it because, well, quite frankly, he didn't. So, um Ashley Moody, the Florida Attorney General, one of our favorites, uh, certainly one of my favorites, uh, doing a fantastic job, and, and I really do appreciate you taking the time. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful uh, Christmas and a uh, happy new year. So thanks for joining us. Merry Christmas, Jason. Look forward to being with you again soon. Very good. Ashley Moody again, everybody. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This thing is going to become gargantuan when the Son of Man comes. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, now that's some Christmas music. You want Christmas music, you got to go old school like Andy Williams. That's just awesome stuff. Wish you the merriest of Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, uh, however you might celebrate, but certainly Merry Christmas. Um, you know, sometimes the world's a little crazy. Here, the Colorado Supreme Court took Donald Trump off the ballot for a supposedly being involved in an insurrection, a crime he was never charged with and never convicted of. But you know what? Democrats think and accuse Donald Trump of doing crazy stuff that he's never done. And they certainly foreshadow that. Listen to this montage, cut 20. What would a second Donald Trump term look like? Well, he cannot be the next president, um, it, it, because if he is... You can't imagine the things that he's going to do. Mexico, Canada, we can't go to Canada because eventually Canada will become annexed to America. And shoot visitors to the White House. Yeah, that means he can shoot the First Lady. We're going to see violence, the likes of which we didn't even see on January 6th. Make it illegal to run against him, to throw his opponents in jail, to shut down the media. He will make himself into the Fuhrer, and he will make everybody raise their hand and salute him. Using martial law against the American people. Germinate the Constitution. Rewrite the Constitution. Create mass internment camps. Throw everyone into Gitmo. Might be sent to jail, or their rights might be suppressed. 
especially minority groups in society. You might have any number of things happen to you and your family. Every one of us, our freedom, our liberty, none of us is safe. It's going to have people around him executing against an enemy's list. Assassinate generals. Ordering troops uh, to um, attack American citizens. Trump's very well-armed and extremist base will try to kill people. Is that crazy or what? Uh, credit to Tom Elliott on Twitter, or X as we call it now, for putting that montage together. But folks, you know what? We had four years of Donald Trump. We know what it was like. The economy was good. We were safe. And you know what? Uh, I think that's what this next election is going to be about. It's going to be about safety. Safety in your wallet. Safety on the streets. Safety at our border. Safety overseas. It's about safety. And uh, no matter who the the Republican nominee is, looks like it's probably going to be Donald Trump, but whoever it is, we should have a vibrant debate. And there should be actual real debates with the Democrats because they have a very different view of the world and the way it should operate. But for now, I hope you have the wonderful holiday, a merry, merry Christmas, a a great new year. And I hope you take time and pause and be with your family and say hello to your family and friends. I'm Jason Chaffetz filling in for Jimmy. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in free-fall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.